Hello and welcome to this week's installment of the AV Club Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chance, and I am joined by my brother, Will. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Oh, I am peachy. I'm pretty excited uh, because I've got a little bit of a bombshell to drop on you. I'm hoping to make this our first public episode. So <gasps> hopefully you brought your A game. A minus okay? Uh, I can squeeze by with a B plus. Okay. Um, so I'll find some extra credit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for just some quick general housekeeping, with that being the case, uh, audio video club. I am the video. He is the audio. And uh, let's see what else I went over in my notes. Um, before today's episode of the podcast, we have done a good handful of test episodes. Uh, so th- over the past couple months, we've done some recordings and they were they were solid. So over the next few weeks, we will have those sporadically put into new episodes. Not going to be super important. Our topics are probably mostly evergreen, but some certain references and dates might be a little outdated. So just so we're all aware and on the same page with that. <clears throat> it's it's always still good to learn this information. Right. Yeah. We talk and, about some really cool stuff. Yeah. That's what I mean about the evergreen thing is like, we're not talking about, hey, tomorrow, this is a thing that you're going to miss your chance on if you don't listen to it right now. It's more permanent things that we can go over. Right. right. So that's pretty life, cool. Life lessons, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And during those uh, test episodes, we weren't 100 percent sure how we were setting up certain aspects of the show. So we will have uh, different outro slugs. I'll go in and retroactively add those in so that all the information at the ends of the show will be relevant. Uh, so that about does it for the housekeeping. And uh, we've got a couple main topics today. The first topic we've got is that I am going to be running the sound system in a arena football game. And I'm pretty excited about that. That's coming up this weekend. And what else but, do we have going on? But but Chance, you said you were the video guy. Yeah, that's oh, true. I, it, I thought I was audio. What's yeah, going on here? I've, it's a bit of a misdirection you're, for you're the first time. on episode. my toes. It's a bad first impression. <laughs> but... I'll, I'll ignore this slight, but <laughs> you'll let uh, it happen this once. Yeah. One time. Everybody gets one. <laughs> uh, but after that, I'm going to discuss probably my favorite homework assignment of my entire life of 42 years strong. Yep. Uh, doing an electronic press kit for a band. It's it's exciting stuff. EPK, as the kids call it. Yeah. Yeah. Those the, familiar in the industry. Industry vets will know what you're saying. The noobs might not. <laughs> uh, but before we get into the main topics, I do have something I want to ask you about. Give me a second to pull it out of my audio interface. I got it. So gotcha. in one of the previous episodes we recorded, I talked about this XLR cable 3.5 to XLR that I got to plug yep. into my audio interface. Um, and I've got a question for you. It's a super simple question. Is, is XLR mono? Does it handle stereo or is it only mono? So it is technically mono however the same cable the same xlr cable can run uh let me make sure i know the acronym correctly i believe it's aes okay no that's a cap no i knew it that's not it it's mono do you want a second to google no i can cut this i'm sure of this it's mono it has to be mono there's no there's no say about it correct Correct. 
Oh God, I'm going to Google. Okay, that's fine. I'm second guessing myself. That's that's fine. Is that your final answer? Are you buzzing in on mono? Final answer. Uh, people who watch this can berate me all they want if I'm wrong, but okay. I'm 90% <laughs> sure it has to be mono. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense because I was noticing the other night that uh, I was listening to music from my phone plugged mm-hmm. into this side of it that there's going. Yep. There were songs that I'm very familiar with and I was like, there's, there's something missing. Yeah. Some of the songs just had like a certain guitar part on only one channel mm-hmm. and uh, the XLR cable was not picking up on it. So, yep. Yep. The, the 3.5 is probably the TRS style it's got the two black bands yes. on it yes so that would take stereo but unfortunately Slick. it's getting summed down to mono essentially yeah that's yeah that's what i figured or, it was the xlr end that was yeah. uh down mixing i guess would that actually, be down mixing uh summing okay essentially taking okay. well actually the way you're describing it if like half the stereo field is missing it's not even summing it's just ignoring one side yes yes so yeah, you just have one side of the speakers, yep. essentially. Yep. Okay, and this is just me. I want to try for me, see if I understand enough about a TRS connector. Uh, right. Is it the top part is left, middle is right, and the bottom is ground? If you don't know, that's fine. I will pop up a diagram. No, I got to think back to my soldering class. Po- yes, positive, negative, ground. Oh, it's not left channel, right channel ground? It is, but positive being generally left, I believe. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yes. Okay. It's, it's cool, a little cool, cool. more complicated with XLR because it's one, two, three, and I think it goes negative, positive ground. Yeah, I, I saw a diagram of what each of the XLR pins mean, and yeah. it's over my head. I don't know audio stuff. Yeah, I, I haven't <laughs> had to solder cables especially in several months Mm -hmm. so i'm not up on exactly where those are at because it was kind of a new new thing to me at the time right but yes if i'm remembering correctly then you're correct with positive negative ground cool it's it's a balanced signal essentially right gotcha i am with you 100 percent. same page yep uh different books though so what other topic do we have before we jump into the main show? So I fairly recently, about a year ago, moved into an apartment out of this house. <laughs> you may be familiar with that house. It is um, where I am currently surrounded by what I am currently surrounded by. It's it's in that neighborhood. I'm yeah. pretty sure <laughs> it could be. Um, I am, as we all know now, uh, into recording, especially you can probably figure it out by the hair into <laughs> more of the rock metal blues guitar oriented side and that makes it hard to record in an apartment being guitar amps especially tube amps like what i have behind me really want to be loud and you would think oh just plug it into an interface directly can't do that uh amplifiers with power transformers are sending out a load a signal that if it's not being accepted it's just being stored in the amp and they will catch on fire or blow up at normal at best they'll just stop working Mm -hmm. so you don't want to do that 
So I did some research getting ready to move down here. I was like, I, I'm bringing my guitars. I'm bringing my amps. I have to be able to record because that's who I am. So after some research, I discovered this little piece of equipment. I'm going to pick it up now. I'll just imagine it in my head because I've seen it before. Oh, let me get it in view. This guy. <laughs> that guy. Camera angles. There mm -hmm. we go. Yeah. So this is the Torpedo Two Notes. It's Two Notes. Audio Engineering is the brand. It's the Torpedo Live. Setting it down. Okay. So what that does is two things, really. First of all, it's a load box. So that power transformer load that the amp is sending out, mm -hmm. that will accept it so that you don't blow anything up, putting it simply. Okay. Which is good. Mm -hmm. What it also does is digitally it simulates speaker cabinets. So if people are familiar with guitar tones, they'll know that everything is important from the pickups in your guitar, the amplifier you use, what pedals you use. The speakers mm -hmm. have a huge role in the sound that comes out of them, obviously. Right, that's, right. That's the last point of your signal chain right. before you record it with a microphone or whatever. So what that does is they've taken IRs, impulse responses, of lots of different speaker cabinets, everything from little orange 110 speaker enclosures to big O amp or ampeg uh eight by tens eight mm -hmm. ten inch speakers 412s from marshall uh one of my favorites on there is a 212 from pv all this kind of stuff so it uh so I, uh, is it simulating like the i guess coloring of those speakers yeah yeah okay uh an impulse response is basically they take reference mics put it in front of the speakers reference mics are just totally flat uh, microphones. They mm -hmm. have no frequency curve to them. They're just flat. They use them to test rooms, test equipment for its actual tonal variety, I guess is the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. And then they run a wide range of frequencies through the speaker, and the microphones just pick up what that speaker does to those frequencies. If you gotcha. send in 100 hertz at a certain volume, you know what it should sound like. What does it actually sound like through the speaker? What okay, is it, okay. What color does it impart right. from that sound? So this so, is turning the, like, say, analog portion of the actual speaker existing and making it a digital kind of thing? Right, right. It's figuring out this hardware, analog hardware thing and turning it into ones and zeros that fits inside this little box. Right, right. So that means me and my apartment, without upsetting neighbors all the way around me, mm -hmm. I can plug in my Mesa Boogie 50 watt amp into this, crank the thing where it really wants to be because it's a tube amp and tubes need to be kind of worked to get the full effect of their tone. Uh -huh. And it will allow me to record no louder than the monitors on my desk or the headphones I'm wearing. So that means I can be playing Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin loud amps, but not upset anybody else. Okay. Unless I want to. Okay. I think this is the first time I've really heard an in-depth explanation of why you have it and how it works. 
yeah um yeah. for whatever reason i just had in my mind that you could only plug in headphones to it but yeah that nope i have it running straight into my <clears throat> uh mixing board which yeah is running yeah is my interface yeah I, I into my computer and yeah mm -hmm. yeah i get the like limiting load box part of it i think now more uh yeah. because so you're like cranking your physical speaker mm. it's going through this box and then you're able to actually control how much it's cranked on uh like your headphones or your board or your monitors correct okay correct. cool it's signal it's full full bore signal is getting to my board i just turn down my headphones and it's mm -hmm. not as loud anymore mm -hmm. cool or i just put it through my speakers and i be careful with it okay since they're not giant guitar speaker enclosures right little six inch right. studio monitors so yeah basically that allowed me to continue recording guitars electric guitars at full volume which i don't know if you remember when i was recording in the basement there they got fairly loud mm -hmm. so i can still do that but like i mentioned it it doesn't matter what room i'm in it doesn't matter yeah. the environment yeah. outside it's clean, clear, and this is this particular model is specifically meant for live use. That's the name, Torpedo Live. Okay. Uh, so it fits into a little rack space on my desk or a road case. You can set your amp on top of it, send that signal directly to your front of house guy and your monitor guy, and your stage volume is non-existent if you don't use speakers with it. And that means that your singer won't pick up guitar amp sounds in their vocal mic if they're holding it in their hand walking around. Gotcha. It won't it won't mess with that. The drums won't pick up guitar sound okay. into, the, into their mics. It's a totally clean stage sound which gives the front of house engineer more control over how it ends up sounding right through the mains okay. to the audience. Now it also has a speaker out so you can still use a guitar speaker cabinet but it does a thing called a power soak where you can turn down the volume through the speaker cabinet if you just want to be able to hear yourself mm -hmm. like just enough or you can do it full bore and just there's a clean signal going to front of house depend it all depends how you want to use it it's very very user friendly mm -hmm. it's very diverse in what it can do and there's lots of different versions. There's a studio specific version that I think can do two speaker cabinets at a time mm -hmm. and split the signal. So you're recording two signals at once. I don't really need that. So I just went with the, the cheaper version also because I'm living in an apartment on my own, kind of, <laughs> kind of on a budget. Right. So, so I've got one final question for that. Yeah. Um, so we talked about it turning the analog things to a digital thing. Do you think that at a, say, super high end, uh, especially in the uses that you're using it for, where you're, uh, I, you're like recording the kind of signal this is getting, right? Right, right. Okay. Um, so at, on a like super big old budget, uh, would there be any noticeable difference between using this and using the actual speakers that you're emulating or is it, it, it is it just fine how it is because i know like 
you can only get most of the way with a lot of digital music creation right, things. Right. Uh, you can like never beat the actual physical analog device. Mm-hmm. But is is this that same kind of thing, or does it follow like a different kind of rule set for that? No, I I would say it's very similar. Um, I've used a few of these speaker simulations in real life. I've heard the real 1960 Marshall cabinet before. Mm-hmm. This is very close. Uh, listening back on monitors in a situation like where I'm at, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. To a very well trained ear, I'm sure there's lots of things you can point out. Right, right. But it's it's just so useful for people in certain situations, like where mm. I'm at, or yeah. if you're in a little rehearsal hall or things like that. It's it's just it makes more sense to use something like this over a full cabinet. Mm-hmm. It, it it's just easier that way. Well, cool. And I don't have to mess with microphones or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. plug it in and turn it on. Well, cool. Sounds like a really handy thing to have in your arsenal. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Mm. But uh, enough about my audio. Apparently, there's two audio guys in this family. Yeah. What's going on there? Well, uh, I've always considered myself a jack of all trades. So this is just like a step further in that regard. And it's also like, again, first episode, I have like, two topics say the xlr cable and the soundboard running i feel like i'm the audio guy today (laughs) (laughs) um but no i work in a coliseum where we do live event production there's anything from concerts to uh little conventions to uh what it, it is a lot of times is a sporting event say like hockey or arena football and in this case in particular it's going to be arena football season starting up soon for us. And um, again, I'm a jack of many trades. I'm cross-trained in so many positions around the production department there. I can run camera. I can direct. I can do graphics. I can do replay. And that pretty much encapsulates the entirety of the production staff, except for one key area. And yes. Okay. Is it, is it? Is it sound? It is sound. I've, yes. I've, I'm yet to be locked away in the sound room, controlling mm. all of, uh, with the big old mixing board, controlling all the levels, uh, making sure the PA is coming through the speakers and, uh, you know, just mixing music, mi- mixing the videos with everything. It, it's super low level stuff, but, but for a primarily video guy, it is definitely into more of a realm that I'm a little bit more uncomfortable with. Um, I would say because of growing up with you and all of your video or audio tech stuff, uh, it's not completely foreign to me, so I can jump in with a little bit more understanding of everything than you start hearing some of the same words and they, they make more sense. Right. Right. And like a mixing board might look super intimidating to somebody who's never touched one before, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, I mean, it's labeled. So obviously you just move that thingy and it does that thingy. Yeah, yeah. Done. <laughs> Money, please. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, sound is just the one that I haven't been trained on yet. And it just works out that this upcoming game, the primary sound guy is going to be out of town on vacation for a while. Yeah. And uh, 
last week we met up at the Coliseum. He gave me a little bit of a tr- uh, crash course on running sound at the Coliseum. Overall, nothing super complicated. For the most part, um, I am familiar with like how mics connect to mics and uh, audio interfaces and mixers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was no problem at all. It was more so like this uh, breakout box in particular is where you plug in the mic. Like if if I didn't have the training day, I just flat out wouldn't know where those were. So it, it's less about what you have to do and more about the way the workflow they use. Yeah, the They're workflow the that space. they use in particular. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the training day was super important. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm not too worried about the how of conducting sound at the Coliseum. I'm looking forward to it because I really enjoy new experiences, and this is something I can just add to my repertoire uh, at the Coliseum. Like, hey, you need somebody to fill in sound? Well, it just so happens I'm the best darn sound guy there is. <laughs> um, Always sell yourself up. Right, right. But uh, can you guess? I mean, I, I've already gone over this with you, so you can't guess. But can you guess... What my only concern about running sound is. Give them a quick second, like the old Dora shows. No, I was asking you, but that too. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm the one that knows. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Like asking you to guess, but you already know. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and it has something to do with music. It could have something to do with music. In fact, it does have something to do with music. So I'm not at all worried about the actual mixing of levels and things like that. Like, that's going to be the primary part of the job. Mm-hmm. What I'm worried about is the playlist that will be used during stoppages during the football game. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of stoppages. Uh, I'm going to need a lot of songs to fill that time. Mm-hmm. And I'll need it ready in possibly rapid succession. Like, a uh, game might be going for, say... 10 15 seconds and then oh i need a song again 10 15 seconds oh i need a song again there's a good amount of downtime in a football game <laughs> yeah crazy right <laughs> um and the music i like is the music i like in previous recordings that we did like test episodes uh i talk about how much i love lord mm-hmm. i don't think that they're going to want to hear just the full diss track of lord during their arena football game. You, you kind of limit your uh, target audience there. Right, right. Yeah, like, I like what I like. I don't know how to cater uh, playlists to what other people will like. So I'm a little bit I'm a little bit iffy on that. It's coming up in a few short days, and I, I don't know where to begin with making a playlist. I can, I'll probably just end up doing, like, a top hits and throw in some other stuff that I can think of. But for the most part, it's just, like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> now what? Yeah, so you have done a wedding DJ before, you've mentioned. Yes. To me. Um, is there any piece of advice that you can give me for what I'm about to be doing with sound engineering? So that was kind of a cheat on my end. I didn't have to have a library of songs for them because similar to you, my music is my music. Uh-huh. Uh, at the They're time, They're not going to want to have screaming death metal during their 
Right, right. At the, the time, dance. I was listening to Slipknot and Behemoth and very heavy bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they kind of gave me the easy way out, and they gave me a couple of CDs saying, hey, these are our songs. Track one on this CD is what we want to walk down the aisle to. Track two is for the first dance, like that kind of guideline. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty easy on my part. I just load them into my iTunes on the laptop and labeled the songs that way. I didn't mm-hmm. even really know what the songs were at the time. Even listening to them, I was like, never heard this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, however, I will say I went to a wedding after that, and the DJ there, slightly more professional, uh, had YouTube up for most mm-hmm. of it. So if somebody, especially if somebody came up with a request for a song, he'd pull up YouTube yeah. and just play the official audio or, you know, the music video or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, doing sound for like local bars and clubs around here, you don't want, th- there should always be music playing. Right. Even if there's nobody on stage, while they're getting ready, there should be a backlog of songs. Mm-hmm. We have always cheated being Nashville, it's a big country uh, area, who would have thought? Uh, we would just pull up like Pandora or Spotify and have the country station playing. Uh-huh. Uh, the issue with that is, especially if you don't have like a paid subscription version, you get ads at who knows what point, and it's kind of boring having one genre the whole way through, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I'm with if you. It's, if it's just country during a football game, People get kind of bored. Right. Uh, but then again, every sports game I've been to, sports ball game that I've seen, sports. they use the same songs anyway. It's Thunderstruck by ACDC. It's Crazy Train by right, Ozzy. Right. It's a Taylor Swift song. Like, yeah. It's, it's that all the time. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, I say all that to say I'm not a whole lot of help. In that <laughs> That's fine. I'll figure it out. And they'll give me some songs. Mm-hmm. But I don't I I know I need a lot, but I don't know if a lot is dozens or hundreds. I know they're not yeah. going to be giving me dozens or hundreds. So right, right. I'll, I'll have to do a lot on my own to get it ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully I'll pull it through. Maybe I'll add that to the show notes in an upcoming episode of, hey, here's the playlist I made for that football game. I did. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, thank you. I will report back in a upcoming episode and let you guys know how it goes. Should Absolutely. be should be exciting. This week's episode of the AV Club podcast is brought to you in part or in full by Oxygen by O2. Oxygen, they have a long history. You know them, you love them, you've probably heard of them at least. They pride themselves on being 100% natural and clean air. So fresh, it's as if it's made in your own backyard. But O2's product, Oxygen, is so good, some say you can't live without it. For our listeners, O2 is offering a free, no sign-up required trial of their new product, Oxygen. All you have to do is, and it's as easy as that, Oxygen by O2. Once you try it, you'll go, (sighs) my thanks again to O2 for sponsoring this week's episode of the AV Club podcast and continuing to give me the possibility of life. So this week, we're also going to cover uh, one of my homework assignments for my entertainment business class. I know what you're thinking. Audio guy. Why is he in 
business class. Yeah, we're just required. all over the place today. Yeah, we're just, <laughs> we have no idea what we are anymore. Apparently. Uh, but to be in the audio program at SAE, you need to do a couple of minor business classes just to kind of round yourself out. It's also important to understand the laws of music if you're going to be a producer or an artist or whatever. Uh, so for this class, we are tasked with uh, preparing an electronic press kit or an EPK, like we mentioned earlier. Of course. Um, what that entails for us is take an EP by any artist that we find. Okay. Uh, in my case, it's actually three other students who are in the group with me. Yeah, I counted right. Um, it's a small group. One of us takes the role of producer, which they chose me for, so I'm kind of the ringleader for the circus. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's an engineer and somebody who is in charge of the social media. Okay. Um, so for us, we're doing a three-song EP. It has to be released, of course. It has to be demoed out. And then final tracking done. It has to be mixed and mastered. Um, and then there has to be at least a two-week marketing campaign before it comes out. Okay. To kind of build up the hype. Cool. Um, the only requirements on that end is there has to be a 60-second minimum video along with it to go on social media. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for us, um, as soon as they said, listen, Will, you've recorded for longer than any of the other people. You've recorded the Beatles. We need you to come yeah. back for one more show. Yeah. One more road around the sun it's it's gonna be great it's your big <laughs> curtain call everyone will remember this will's greatest hits yeah so uh they, they decided i should produce this uh and to me what that meant is these people take you seriously this is a serious project that also i should mention at the end rather than presenting to the class we're going to present to our teacher who is taking the role of basically the A&R rep for us for the recording label. What is an A&R rep? Um, artists and repertoire. So what they okay. do basically is they are the go-between between the label executives and the band mm -hmm. themselves, or in this case with the producer specifically. Um, our instructor Zach has already said he started. He stayed. He said right out of the gate, "I don't want an email from the band. Nobody else in the group should email me. It should be the producer only." Okay. Any and if it has anything to do with this project, your producer will email me. We'll discuss it. Then he will talk to the band. Mm -hmm. So it basically goes band talks to the producer, producer to the A and R rep, right. A and R rep to the rest of the label. Right. Um, we have to give him, uh, I should finish what I was saying before. Yeah, sorry. Uh, we're, we're presenting to, I, I led myself off. Uh, <laughs> we're presenting to this A&R rep instructor person, along with some industry professionals that he knows. Mm -hmm. That means people from labels around Nashville. That means engineers from studios. 
that means people from BMI and ASCAP who are in the publishing area, real people who can in the future be the people that give us jobs. And the producer walks in, pulls up the website and the social media, shows the video, shows the songs, and then we get immediate feedback from those people. Mm -hmm. They could very well say, uh, that was absolutely terrible. And I hope to never see you again. Do you actually expect that at all at the class level? Are they going to be that brutal or will they sugar? Like I know in the real world, let's say, yeah, uh, they might be that brutal, but for the cases, for the, uh, instance of this project do you expect that uh maybe not so far as to say that was terrible but to immediately give us a long list of things that we should have done better okay. absolutely right because even our instructor zach is very serious about this stuff right he's yeah. he's and been in the industry a long time working with people from kanye and chance the rapper hey. to yeah <laughs> to a bunch of no-name people that you'll never hear of because he, they just didn't make it. Right. Really. Yeah, and I would imagine that this is, uh, professionalism-wise, this is a big step up for a lot of people that are in the class with you. Absolutely. But Absolutely. the goal of it is, like, this is how people actually do it. Like, a producer yeah. might seem as just an unnecessary roadblock to have as a go-between between, between uh, your professor and the band, mm -hmm. but in the grand scheme of things, that's just how it's done. It, it is. And that's the real world scenario. Right. The A&R guy doesn't care if the singer had a bad day. Mm -hmm. He cares. Is the demo done? Mm -hmm. Did you make the corrections I told you about? Right. That's another thing we have to every week send our A&R rep what we did. So like I, I will boast a little bit here. Um, we had our band picked out the day he assigned us this because it was part of the group uh -huh. that I'm in. So that was easy for us. Um, and within two weeks we had our demo done and sent to him. Okay. Other students came up to me. I, I, I've, I've made it very clear. I take this all very seriously. Yeah. Maybe to a fault, but I, I don't screw around. If if you give me something to do audio-wise, music-wise, I'm going to do everything I can to knock it out of the park. Right. So after our demo was done, mm -hmm. I had uh, other students come up to me and be like, hey, with that uh, EPK project, have you picked your band yet? Like, not only do I have a band, the demo's done and I've got <laughs> notes on it. Right. And their jaw hits the floor. Uh-huh. So I, I don't screw around with this stuff. Uh, we have drums finished we have the demo done with notes um later today uh i'm going to be using that torpedo that i showed you and we're recording electric guitars uh through this week and next week we're doing bass guitars and vocals mm -hmm. and by early august this project the the songs will be mixed and mastered and the video will be filmed okay already. cool Last I heard, uh, the next furthest along project has their demo done. Mm -hmm. um, another one of the requirements for this project is our A&R rep, just like a real label would, gave us a budget. Also yeah, this is what that, sounds really cool to me. 
yeah another yeah. like it's stimulating it in a really interesting way yeah uh it's not a real cash amount we're not expected to spend real money on this other you're not than the actually website. being given eight thousand dollars uh in this case we get 10 grand oh okay uh but yeah uh we were told ten thousand dollars so our school has several studio spaces that we mm -hmm. can check out as students if we're using it for this project it is taken out of the budget so for example studio a which has an ssl console in it big honking thing that used to belong to uh whitney houston actually if we check that out for four hours it costs us eight hundred dollars or we can go into one of the av suites which is basically a smaller version of my space here mm -hmm. with like a little two channel interface and some speakers right and a computer that's a hundred dollars for four hours so people have to start thinking what's mm. the most important thing what do i need to spend the money on how um, early in advance do you need to book a time in this room to because, make sure nobody else is getting it yeah not only is everybody in that class checking out that space Everybody in the school can check out those spaces. Right, right. They have their own stuff they're working on, whether it's for school or for themselves. Mm -hmm. They they can all use the space. Mm -hmm. So, is it fully within the uh, possibilities of the project for you to, like, say you do have your own space? Could you record in your own space, or is it strongly encouraged to actually go through the process of renting a space? Yeah. So that was one of the first questions I had, actually, um, because. Not everybody has their own space to work with. Yeah, say especially... you're a millionaire. That could be an unfair advantage if you already own your whole recording studio. Right, right. <laughs> um, and we brought that up. And he said, well, yeah, absolutely. It's just like if you're really the producer. And okay, yeah. You, you need to do some vocal overdubs after you're out of the studio. You, you check, you rent out a studio for a weekend. You get the most stuff done, but you still have to do a couple of corrections. Mm -hmm. take, it, take it home. Yeah. Work or not there. Um, I will also say that I am very on top of this budget. Uh, I've got experience using Excel spreadsheets. So yeah. literally every second we're in the studio is logged and I know exactly how much money we have left uh -huh. at every point in time. Um, there's also quite a punishment if you go over budget, just like in the real world, if right. you were to overdo the recording budget a label gives you, you're already having to pay it back because of the way a recording contract works, but now they're going to make you pay even more back, more than you used probably because you went <laughs> over budget. So in our situation, rather than us giving him hundred dollars because we went fifty dollars over budget, he told us for every hundred dollars over you go, you lose a letter grade. Yeah, that's what I figured it was going to be. So we use ten thousand and one dollars. The best we can do is a B. Mm -hmm. And we're we're just stuck there. So would you say that ten thousand dollars gives you a lot of runway, or does it feel limiting at all? It's it's a little limiting. Um, that's why we're recording guitars here in my apartment. We're also going to do vocals in the little closet behind mm -hmm. me. I have a makeshift vocal booth in there. Yeah. Um, but things like drums, um, were, and like acoustic guitars and stuff were. I would prefer a better treated room. We're putting all the money into those things. So, for example, I, I mentioned we already have drums done. That was an eight-hour session mm -hmm. that we used Studio A for. That's $1,600 that we already used. Right. 
just to get drums. Right. But I will say it's the best sounding drum sound I've ever uh-huh. found in my life. I spent two hours just placing microphones. Yeah. Dialing yeah. in the preamps and everything like that. Yeah. And I feel like that's another big thing is like when you're renting the space, you need to accommodate a lot of time for also set up and tear down. Yeah. Because yeah, that goes into just, like the time you're renting. Right. Right. It's not just you show up, start playing and, yeah. and you're good. Right. You have to right. set up your amps or your drum set. You have to tune your drum set. You have to figure out, for example, when I did my my recording, that was 16 microphones on the drums. Mm-hmm. That's 16 mics I have to measure out place listen back on the preamp through the speakers in the control room adjust make parameter changes eq compression if i'm using outboard gear i have to run patching through Mm -hmm. that it's it's a lot and then after we're done we have to put it all away right and be out of there before the next person has to come in because it's it's as if you're in a real studio the people after you if you go into their time you're using their money right that's not cool. Yeah. And people won't let you do that. Uh-huh. Just like if somebody's cutting into my studio time, I don't allow that. It's it this is my time. I need to be in here. You're mm-hmm. what you're using my money. That's not cool. Uh, I, uh I've got one more quick question just about like the level you're at and the level your classmates are at. Yeah. Um you mentioned meticulously placing out microphones, measuring out all of them mm-hmm. and whatnot. Is that something that you're able to do because you've been working with this kind of stuff for years before coming to this school? Or is that something that everybody now has at least a base knowledge of through these courses and they're doing it to some extent too? Like, is it a level playing field in that way? Like, I know it's not a competition, but is it a level playing field in that way? Or is it that you legitimately have more to bring to the table? So you're using all you can. That's a good question. Uh, I would say we are presented the information to do it the way I did. Mm-hmm. Like we understand what phase relationship is. So two drums or two microphones picking up one drum sound. If they're at different distances from that sound, it's going to cause some phase problems. Mm-hmm. The, the waveforms aren't going to line up correctly. Um, which is just, just a quick, simple explanation of okay. phase. Yeah. So when you're using a 10-piece drum kit, or rather a 6-piece drum kit, and 16 microphones, you have to have all of those figured out to every drum, mm-hmm. figured out correctly. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to sound right. Right. You're going to have issues. Um, Everybody is presented with the knowledge to understand that. Mm-hmm. I would say I have a leg up on people in that I've been recording drums since I was 17. So yeah. I, yeah, I you're understand. 52 now. So, right, right. I, I got a couple of years under my belt, recorded a few drum sets in my day. <laughs> uh, so I know what to do with that information a little bit better, right. I would say. Yeah. So I, I'm also the type of person that if you come up and ask for help, <laughs> even though we're, I mean, there's some sense of competition. In that we all want to do the best. Yeah. But not so much that if somebody comes up and says, Hey, I'm not sure how to get the best acoustic guitar sound or get this snare to sound right, I'll help them. I'll explain mm-hmm. things. I'll come into the studio if I have the free time. Right. And I'll do that with them. I have no issue with that. So it's 
it's really, it boils down to knowing what resources you have and how to use them. There's nothing stopping people from even asking other instructors or the studio techs mm-hmm. there for help to set up drums. Mm-hmm. That's what they're there for. Right. I was just fortunate or cocky enough, I guess, even <laughs> to say, I don't need that. I, I know what I need to do. Yeah. So I brought in a tape measure. I brought in tape to line up drums. Yeah. I, I, all these things. I brought in a packing blanket to separate sounds, all this stuff. So everyone's on the level playing field and that we have the knowledge. It's just how well can you use it? Right. Okay. That that's the big difference. Um, and one last thing I kind of want to point out about this, bring up about this is when we're presenting at the end of the semester for these industry professionals, mm-hmm. uh, it can go two very different ways. As our instructor, Zach has told us, they can, tell you all the things you did wrong or they're going to give you your their business card and say hey give me a call i think i have a job for you and is that like a legitimate job offer yes he has had students walk out of there with job offers yeah straight out of school yeah so i heard that from like just this one project just showing what you can do Mm -hmm. yeah so i heard that and i immediately perked up even more after hearing the beginning of the project and said I'm going to go into this as if it's a job interview uh-huh. for the rest of my career. Right. And I plan on doing this for the rest of my life. Right. If I can. Right. So yeah, when he gave us all the requirements and that last bit of information, I was like, okay, I am going to do the best project he has ever seen in his 12 years of teaching. Yeah. This class, because I don't accept less than, the very best for this field. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it seriously. And I think I made that clear to the rest of my group and to the other students in my class of, if you want to be taken seriously, take stuff seriously. Yeah. Right. So right. I, I guess that's what I would tell everybody listening is if you want to do something, do it as far and as best as you can, because mm-hmm. otherwise what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a willingness to do well and exceed for things to work out like in in this industry, both of our industries, very rarely is anything going to just fall into your lap. You need to work at it to have the opportunities in place for them to feel like they fall in your lap. And they're both really competitive fields. There's only so many jobs. And right. Would you rather sit in an office or would you rather film a wedding or record a band in a studio? Like, right, right. I, I think that's pretty obvious for most people. And especially where I'm at, everybody goes to Nashville to either become a musician or become an engineer. And I had the same goal, but I think what's going to make the difference is that work ethic, that drive to mm-hmm. do it. As I told my teacher after this, I was like, I'm, I'm hungry for this. I want this. So, yeah, I, I just want the project to show that. Yeah. I guess it's the best way to say it. Yeah. Well, geez, that sounds like a really nice button for introing who you are for the AV Club podcast. <laughs> I don't screw around, man. Yeah, going super <laughs> in depth on uh, this whole thing that you're doing. Yep. Uh, so I don't know if this is ever going to be in the scope of the project, but it's, it is going to be like publicly released in some way, right? Yes, it has to be 
in the public domain, gotcha. not public domain. That's yeah, different right, thing. right. Uh, it has to be publicly accessed. Mm-hmm. If you put it on iTunes, cool. If it's just on a Facebook page and it links to a Bandcamp or something, cool. It has to exist somewhere. You you don't have a hard drive when you go in to present. You have the computer in the classroom and you pull up. Oh, cool, something. cool. That that's what you get. So, so at some point down the road, we may be able to uh, take a look at some of the stuff on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And we have big plans for the promotional video. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing a promo video and a music video, actually, for this one. Is that more than you need to do? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes, it is. Cool. And w- I should also point out, we recorded five songs rather than three. <laughs> um, we're only giving in okay. three songs because that he has a hard limit on that. Uh-huh. Just wants three. But this is a real band I'm recording. The rest of the group is. Uh-huh. Uh, they're known as Frap, F R A P P. Check them out. They're yeah. really cool. Um, Links but, in the show notes down below. Yeah. Or wherever. Um, so they are going to release five songs, but for this project, we're only going to show three. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we're going to work off that. So it's going to be actual marketing for them, an actual music video for them, an actual EP for them. Yeah. Cool. Yep. That and is a ten thousand really dollar cool. budget. I mean, right? <laughs> for a band that's never done anything before, has played uh-huh. two shows. I think. Uh huh. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and they already have a producer and everything. It's crazy. Yeah, I hear he's pretty good. <laughs> he's okay anyway. Well, I believe we are nearing our end of time for today on the AV Club podcast. Uh, as always, you can find our show notes at chancecscom AVC slash one or in your podcast player of choice uh there you will also find the video version of this week's episode or you can just stick to the audio version and hear the dulcet tones of our voice that's totally up to you hello (laughs) and as said at the top of the show old episodes will be sporadically put into new episodes over the next couple months and uh thank you all for attending this first ever meeting of the av club podcast class is dismissed before we jump into the next topic... Oh, actually, I want to do one thing. My headphone. Okay, I took my headphones off. I can't hear you now. My headphones died, so I don't have the noise canceling, and it's super disorienting to just use them as dumb headphones. Yeah. I do have a battery handy. Good. Just a second, just a second, just a second. I don't have headphones. Oh, no. Oh, lordy. Oh, lordy, Lou. We're good. Nothing happened. Most canceling is on again. You there? Yes. Okay. <laughs>